Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Welcome in, friends, to episode number 74 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. My guest on the show today is Dr. Lute Croy. Now, Lute is finishing up his 20th year in public education. During that time, he's been a teacher, a coach, an instructional coach, and he's been an administrator. He currently is an assistant principal at Prosper High School in Prosper, Texas, where he serves a student body of, get this folks, 3,800 students. What a huge high school. My high school where I was principal was 1,400 kids. That's not even one level at this school. Holy cow. Big, big high school that Dr. Luke Croy is a part of the leadership team at. But that's not all. Dr. Croy is so passionate about developing new and aspiring school administrators that he and a longtime friend of his and a very talented school leader himself, Brett Phipps, decided to create a company called the New School Leader. And the mission at New School Leader is to help new and aspiring administrators take that next step in their leadership journey, whatever it might be. Lute and I sat down and had a really great conversation, and it ties in so perfectly with the month of May and our focus on aspiring, new, and rising leaders. You're going to hear this incredible conversation that I had with Lute right on the other side of this message from our sponsor, Peer Driven PD. Hey, leaders. You know, teachers and administrators don't always see eye to eye. So it might surprise you that over 86% of teachers and administrators agree that we need more full-time classroom teachers leading our professional development. That's where my friends at Peer Driven PD come in. Peer Driven PD finds some of the best teachers in the country and documents their instructional strategies that work in real classrooms every day. And then they make the content available to schools everywhere. It's kind of like a masterclass, but for teachers. Imagine that your teachers are learning from other amazing teachers who, just like them, are gifted and passionate about driving student achievement. And if you've got your own superstar teachers who deserve some exposure, Peer Driven PD will visit your campus and film your own teachers doing what they do best and share it on the platform for their colleagues and everyone else to see. What a huge morale boost that can be for a district. And just so you know, Mike Alpert, who's the company's founder, has been a guest on this very podcast. Check out episode 49. Mike's a former teacher and administrator who has worked with schools from coast to coast. He really understands the need for engaging PD that teachers will appreciate. Look, I've seen this work firsthand. It's unique. It's interesting. And it's just what you need if your teachers want more out of their professional development. Visit PeerDrivenPD.com to request a quote. Tell them the Leaning Into Leadership podcast sent you, and they'll give you a free trial access so you can check out all of their content and decide for yourself. As well, they'll give you an additional 10% off your first year's subscription simply for mentioning the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Go to PeerDrivenPD.com today. Again, that's PeerDrivenPD.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com now let's get on to the episode all right Luke, welcome into the leaning into leadership podcast my friend really quick give uh give my audience a quick here's who dr luke croy is yeah sure so i'm in my 20th year in education I am currently an assistant principal in Prosper, Texas. I had no intention of setting out to be an administrator when I got into education 20 years ago as a teacher and a coach, uh, and I was going to change the world through coaching high school football here in Texas and loved every second of it, moved around. Uh, my wife and I moved quite a few times, and uh, my kind of second to last coaching stop I ran into some really phenomenal administrators while I was working on my master's degree, and they kind of showed me how impactful really good administrators could be. And that was the first time where my eyes were kind of open to, hey, there's this other world that I could be a part of and where I could make a difference. And um, the more I thought about it, the more I felt kind of pulled in that direction. And um, 
ultimately we decided to make the make the switch. We we realized that we could we could multiply our influence through the adults in the building. And instead of working with the 150 to 200 kids a day that I got to work with as a teacher, now I get to work with you know 40 teachers who each get to work with that many kids a day. And uh, so we're we're trying to we're trying to multiply our leadership a little bit through through some other adults. And uh, it's been it's been great. And uh, like you said, uh, I, I finished my dissertation. In August, defended that, and so now they, they call me doctor. I don't know. Uh, I, I tell everybody I joke around. I grew up in Oklahoma. I joke around that uh, I'm the I'm the same dumb redneck I was in July. You know, two weeks before I defended <laughs> my, my my dissertation, but uh, they gave it to me anyways. And uh, so I'm really excited about that. And you know, I know we'll we'll get into what my research was all about, but that's that's kind of what led me into what I'm doing right now uh, with the new school leader and with coaching and things like that, where we're working with new and aspiring administrators, trying to help them take the next step in their journey, whatever, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And I know that's the thing that, that really um, I think connected us or, or certainly drew me uh, toward wanting to have a conversation with you was this work around new school leader. And yeah, we're definitely going to get into that in, uh, in just a couple of minutes. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about though, um, that, that journey, that transition from being, you know, a classroom teacher, being a coach, um, you know, obviously a journey that, that I followed as well. You know, um, I wasn't a head football coach. I was a head basketball coach. Um, but, uh, you know, still very similar, you know, and you want to make that impact on kids through coaching, through, through the work that you do in your classroom. And then, um, it's interesting, you know, a lot of people, if they haven't, if they haven't done that work, if they haven't made that leap into administration and, and actually stuck their foot in the water um, as an assistant principal, I mean, the, the true middle management job in education, I mean, it really, truly is, um, they don't necessarily see or understand how, uh, in, in your words, you, you multiply your influence in those spaces. And, and I want to come to that in a minute, but let, let's just start first with when you made that first jump out of the classroom into administration, what was like the biggest eye opener for you? What, what were those things that you're like, really? Wow. I didn't see that coming positive or negative. I mean, whatever it was. Sure. Sure. Uh, I think there are a few things. And I, honestly, I think the more I talk to, to do administrators, I, I see the same pattern, uh, the same pattern over and over again. And, uh, unfortunately a lot of those realizations are, are negative. Um, and, it, and it's not, it's not bad. It's just they're, there are a lot of those things like, gosh, I had no idea. Right. So, yeah. um, I like to tell, I like to tell the story the, the night before I started my first day on the job as an assistant principal. Right. So we come back in July, there's no kids, there's no teachers. It's just our administrative team. And I was so excited because I had worked hard to get the job. I had talked to a lot of people. I had prepped for interviews and I had done everything I could. I felt like to position myself to get an AP job and I finally got it. And so I was super fired up. But the night before I sat down or the night before I tried to go to bed, you know, to start my new job the next day, I didn't sleep one minute that whole night. And it wasn't because of the butterflies. It wasn't it wasn't because I was nervous. It wasn't because I was full of anticipation. It was because I laid there in bed all night long thinking, what in the world am I supposed to do when I get into the office tomorrow? Like, And, and it was just that moment of realizing I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Like I I. I'd done all the prep, right? I, I'm certified in, in a couple of different states. I've got my master's degree and all of that, but I'm still laying there in bed going, I'm going to show up tomorrow. I'm going to walk in the front door and I'm going to go to my office. I knew where it was and I already had it decorated, even though I hadn't started yet. And I was like, cool, I got my pictures. I got everything where it's supposed to go. What do I do when I sit down in the chair? And thankfully I showed up and my principal sat down with us and talk through all of our responsibilities. We spent the whole day just talking through responsibilities. And once I got through that day, I had a much better idea at least of, okay, this is what I'm responsible for. I still don't know how to do any of it, but I'm responsible right. for it. And so that was probably the, the biggest realization to me in all of that was that there's really, I don't want to say there's not a way to prepare. I want to say we don't do a very good job of preparing aspiring administrators to step into the role um, because I hear that same story over and over and over again that, oh, yeah. man, I got into this and I had no idea what I was supposed to do. I think that's, that's the first one. I think the second realization is not everybody does things the same way that you do or with the same level of, um, concern or with the same level of intensity or intentionality. Yeah. And I think, 
I hear that a lot. And it, it, I don't, it, it's not necessarily just in an administrative role. Uh, I also hear that it's really anybody who's stepping out of the classroom the first time, whether that's moving into yep. a curriculum role or moving into administrative role. The first time they step into other people's classrooms and have to work with adults, all of a sudden they realize, like, oh, this might not mean as much to them as it means to me. Or, oh, there are other ways to do it. It might not be the way I would do it, but I've got to learn how to encourage the work you know, and let them have some ownership and some autonomy. Um, even though I might not feel like it's the best way to do it, it's still helping kids and it's different. So that was another big piece there. Um, and the other piece, and, and you may be able to relate to this one, Darren, when I was a coach, I went to bed every night feeling like, man, I did something great today. Like I could point to a kid, I could point to uh, another coach, I could point to somebody and go, I did something today that impacted a kid individually. Right. And I could go to bed every night feeling almost like a hero. Right. Because, and, and yeah. coaches are my heroes. So maybe that's where, maybe that's where that comes from. But, um, I went to bed every night feeling like a hero, feeling like I did something worthwhile, feeling like, um, I'm making a difference. Right. There are a lot of nights, uh, especially that first year of being an administrator, when you go home and first of all, your spouse will say, Hey, what'd you do today? And you go, I have no idea, but I'm exhausted. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and <laughs> didn't I just leave the house that, four minutes ago? I mean, that's what yeah. it feels like, right? Yeah. It, yeah. So with that, you get home and you're exhausted, you're tired and you've done things all day. There's no idle time in the, in the assistant principal seat or the principal seat for that matter, but you'll get home and realize I have no idea what I did today. And it's that like when you don't know what you did all day, it's really hard to feel like you did something worthwhile. You, you know, you're doing important work because it is important work. It's, it's impactful work. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. But it's really, really easy to get caught up in, gosh, all I did today was discipline and attendance and lunch duty. And uh, I don't really know that anybody's going home tonight going, man, I'm so glad Dr. Croy, you know, was up there at lunch duty today and watched me eat for 30 minutes. So um, those are three <laughs> pretty big ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And, you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Several of the the pieces, Ella, everything you just said really resonated with me. And it, it did take me back to um, my first assistant principal role. And, and that one was discipline and attendance, you know, at the high school yeah. level. And it was extremely difficult to wrap up a day and say, you know, yeah, hey, here's what I accomplished. When I was in charge of curriculum and uh, curriculum and instruction as an AP, it was a little easier. You know, it still wasn't every day, but, but you know, at least, and it was, you know, hey, you know, we really took some big steps in this particular area or boy, working with this group, you know, we accomplished this today. In discipline and attendance, yeah, I was like, I don't know, I saw 122 kids today, um, you know, came across my, you know, came across my desk, you know, did this, did this. Yeah. Three lunch duties. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It really is. The realization piece too, you know, of, of being in other people's classrooms. Um, so where I became an AP, I, I think this is true of you too. It was not the building I taught in. In fact, wasn't even the same state as where I taught. And so I wasn't at least going in and watching some of my colleagues mm. teach. You know, it was for me, everybody in that building was new, but there was that, wow, it's, this is not what it looked like in my classroom, you mm -hmm. know, and not that my classroom was perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, I found some things that I was like, holy cow, I would have never tolerated this in my room or, oh my God, I wish I had known this when I was a teacher. Cause I would have done this. Oh, yeah. This is powerful. You know, I saw so many great teachers. And just, ah, why didn't I know that? Um, but, but I want to tie the last two things together. There was one point in time, I'll never forget it, my, my first year in discipline and attendance. And this was before we were doing any, you know, informal walkthroughs or any of that kind of stuff. And I went and I sat in the back of one of our chemistry teacher's classrooms. And I, he kept looking at me like, why is Darren here? You know, I mean... Seriously, why is Darren here? I mean, this is like, you know, chemistry two or an AP chem class, whatever. I mean, these are not kids that the discipline guy is coming to see. So he was just like, why are you here? And then, you know, the bell rang and the kids left and he came back. He's like, Darren, did you need something? And I said, yes, I needed to regain my sanity. And I just simply wanted to come sit in your classroom because what you do is brilliant with kids. I just, and I was a science guy. That's why I chose a chemistry classroom. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just needed 
to be back in this space. Did, have you had any of those moments at any point in time? Oh, sure. Uh, so I think, so there, there's a couple things there. One of the things when I, when I was still teaching that made me infinitely better is when I actually got to go into some other teachers' classrooms. Uh, and not just that, when, when other teachers started coming into my classrooms, right? So we, it was before observe me was a thing, but you know, it was that, that same kind of thing. And, um, we had some brand new teachers and those administrators at that campus that had made such a difference in, in my life as an educator started asking me if I would open my classroom to other teachers and just having other teachers like come spend time in your classroom makes you better. Like, cause you want to be better oh, for, yeah. your, for your peers. You want to, you want to be great for your kids, no doubt. But when the other adults walk in the room, you want to be better, especially when you know they're there to learn, right? They're not there to evaluate you. They're there. So I, I want to encourage people to get into, before you try to get into an administrative role, get into classrooms, get into classrooms, get into classrooms, because you're going to, it's going to help with some of that surprise when you first start out of, oh gosh, classrooms are different. Um, so with that, the other piece is now that I'm in my, what is this, my fifth year being an assistant principal, I spend as much time as I can in classrooms. Uh, that, that first year, you know, you talk about other realizations that first year, it's so hard to get into classrooms because every time something lands on your desk, it's new and you have to spend time learning how to do the thing before you can do the thing. And then you got to go debrief with your principal or somebody else to make sure you did the thing the way that you were supposed to do the thing, whatever it is. So that <laughs> right. first year, I, I really struggled to get into classrooms and it was super refreshing when I did because we had really good teachers on that campus and we had really great kids. I mean, just an unbelievable place, but it was frustrating because I couldn't get in. And now that I've done this for a few years and I'm not having to relearn all the things all the time, um, it's able to, it, it, it allows me to be able to block out big chunks of time where I can just go sit in classrooms and I'm not, I'm in there for five or 10 minutes and I'm, and I'm trying to get in as many informal walks as I can. And it's not because I'm in there to evaluate. It's not because I'm literally just in there to see what's going on in our school, to see what our kids are doing, to, um, share what our kids are doing and what our teachers are doing. I, I'm big on social media. I try to take pictures almost every time I'm in a classroom and just, give that teacher a shout out or give those kids a shout out on social media because I want our community to know what's going on. So, you know, that was a long answer, but you know, the short answer of it is yes, I, I try to get into classrooms as much as I can because it's a happy place. And, you know, I, I don't really do this, but I know a lot of administrators, like they'll just go hide in a classroom and knock their emails out and, you know, do some things like that so that they're present with students and present with teachers and they're not in their office where the, where the bad things happen. Cause that's what happens in the office. Right. So yeah. they just, they go to their happy place, right. They go find some great teacher's classroom. They sit down, they start banging out their email because they get to be where they want to be and they can still be productive. Um, I think it's a good, good way to do things. I don't do it that way, but I have like systems and things that keep me right. from worrying about email during the day. Yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit too. But uh, sure. let's – well, and, and actually, I guess let's just kind of go at at kind of the systems piece. And, and the first thing is just simply you're saying, hey, I'm out there. I'm getting into classrooms. And, uh, you know, I share constantly, whether here in the podcast or on the blog or, or just through social media or whatever. When, mm -hmm. I'm, when I'm coaching leaders, you have to embrace being the instructional leader. And you can't do that from your office. Um, yep. I mean, it's very hard, basically impossible to lead from your desk. So – you're telling me, and I appreciate that you are, that you are getting out into classrooms. How are you doing that or how are you ensuring that it happens on a regular basis? So first thing I do is at the beginning of the semester, I go and I, I get into my calendar for the entire semester and I go day by day by day and I block out an hour and a half every single day that is already labeled for observations. Um, a lot of people have access to my calendar, whether that's my secretary or that's our 504 court clerk or that's our SPED clerk, people that are constantly scheduling these meetings that I have to be in, they have access to my calendar. If I don't block out time on my calendar, they will because that's their job, right? Their job is to get these things mm -hmm. scheduled. And if they see uh, there have been days where I had, you know, four or 504 meetings back to back to back because there were just little 45 minute chunks of time that they were like, Oh, I can pop one here. I can pop one there. And they're not thinking about all the other things that I have to do during the day. They're just thinking about their job and I don't blame them. And they're very good at their job because we got to get, you know, I've with 4,000 kids in our school, we have to get through quite a few 504s 
um, in a year. So they're trying to get them done as quickly as they can so that if something gets, you know, caught up in the process, there'll be time to do it later. So the first thing I do is I protect my time, right? I, I block out an hour and a half every single day and I, I change that where that block of time fits every day. Right. So uh, I'll sit down and I'll just go, you know, first period. So we're on a four period AB block, right? So we have four periods a day. So all I will do is Monday through Friday, I will just go first period, second period on Tuesday, third period on Thursday, fourth period on Friday, you know, and I just change that period of time every single day so that when I make my way into classrooms, I'm not always going in first period, right? Or I'm not always yeah. going in the last period. It kind of, kind of gives me some variation. So that was the, the, the first piece of that. The second piece is kind of people say you have to train people to treat you how you want to be treated. Um, one of the things that people really struggled with when I, this is my first year on this particular campus. And one of the things they struggled with, and I say they being like our office staff and even some of our teachers is not being in my office. They, they really struggled with, gosh, I can't ever find you. Like, yeah. if you want to find me, send me an email or reach out to my secretary and she'll get you on the calendar, but I'm not just going to sit in my office and be available all day because, you know, and I posted something on LinkedIn, uh, maybe about a month ago and I didn't realize how controversial it was going to be, but all I said was it's time to close your open door policy and yeah. people lost their, people lost their minds. I love that like, post. And it, they were so, and, and one of them was, was a teacher in my district and she's a fantastic teacher. And I say lost her mind. She she didn't lose her mind, but you could tell in the way she was typing or, or responding that she was not happy with with the post. And you know, she put in some things. She's like, I know the kind of leader you are. So I hope that and it was very much like I hope that you don't mean you're not gonna be available for teachers and things. And that wasn't it. It was that the, the purpose of the post was I feel like we we only know what people have done before us, right? That's who we learn from. And you know, for years we hear things about, oh, my door's always open, right? So we feel like, well, my door should always be open. They said their door was always open. That's what we're supposed to do when you move into a leadership role. But the reality of that is if my door is always open, I'm not going to get any work done. And I did that my first couple of years. The, 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 the location of my office, all of our APs in my first, my first building were in the same hallway. Well, my office was the very first one when people would come into the hallway to go find whoever their AP was. And my door was open. So they would stop. They would stop at my office and ask me, one, have I seen their assistant principal or two? They would just ask me the question. And so I would spend all my time trying to do that and not getting to the things that I was actually in my office to do. So my whole deal is my door is open until it's not right. My door is always open unless it's closed. If it's closed, it's closed because I'm in there for a very specific reason so that I can get a thing done and get back out into classrooms. Because so those are probably the two biggest pieces, right? Getting people to realize you're not always available. There are ways to find you and there are ways to be of it, you know, to, to make myself available. And then the other piece is just, you know, getting that calendar taken care of so that everybody will understand, okay, we got to work around his priorities, which is being in classrooms. I love that so much. I'm glad you brought up actually that, uh, uh, that post that you had shared, I, I remembered reading that one. I, I know I commented on it, but um, sure. I can't remember what I said, but I know that I really, really appreciated that perspective because um, you're right. The whole open door policy thing. Yes, we've heard that forever. And I, I think in many ways, it's kind of like, you know, the, the metaphorical door is open, but no, you can't mm. literally just have your door open all the time. You know, you're going to have times when, yeah, you're right. I mean, you got you got to get stuff done, but then also, you know, you may have, you know, those those moments with students in your in your office or or with an employee, whether that's mm -hmm. an employee in crisis or some employee discipline or, or an evaluation. I mean, the simple, hey, my door is always open, that that just doesn't fly. And I know that I remember reading some of the, you know, some of the posts that people had on there and I think it was just a gut reaction to you saying it's time to end the open door policy rather than just reading the entire thing yeah. and understanding, hey, availability is critical. And that's what you were getting at. At least that's how I took it. Uh, my yeah. availability is huge. And in order for me to really be available, I got to be able to close my door and knock some stuff out so that I can go be available. Yep. Yeah. And being available doesn't have to be in the office, right? You said that, right? To go be available where 
where the customers are, so to speak, right? They're, they're in yeah. classrooms. That's where teachers are. That's where kids are. And, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in, I feel like my teachers have seen me more and this isn't a dig on other people. Um, but I feel like they've seen me more than they've ever seen an administrator in, in their hallways. And it's not, again, it's not a dig on the previous administrators. They didn't have the systems set up for them, right? They, they didn't have it. We've, we've got extra people this year that they didn't have. And they didn't have a leader like I have. My principal, he, he models this beautifully. He, he does a fantastic job of utilizing his secretary as a gatekeeper and being out and setting a precedence that he's going to be out in classrooms all the time. And when he models that for us, it makes it really, really easy for the rest of us to have that same set of priorities. It's, it's been fantastic. And now when I walk into my, when I walk into my office, so we, we have houses, we have a lower house and an upper house. And so in the lower house, there are four assistant principals and four counselors and all four, you know, all eight of us are kind of it's like a bullpen, so to speak, right? We each have an office, but there's one big open space with a receptionist in there or a secretary in there. And now every time I walk into the lower house, it's, it's like Norm from Cheers, right? Like everybody, you know, they make a big deal out of it, right? Like, oh, look who's here today. You know, so it's, it took a while, but now they understand. And now that everybody understands, it's not a surprise that, oh, I didn't see you at all today. Well, because I don't live in here. I don't, bad things happen in, in the office. So we're going to go be where all the good stuff is as much as possible. I think that's fantastic. And I, I want to take that and kind of transition a little bit into uh, the work that you're doing with New School Leader and just that passion you have for supporting assistant principals. Um, you know, you've talked about it being kind of like the, the forgotten role and yeah. and and that type of thing. So I'm interested in that. And where I want to jump off is what, what you were just talking about. And that's utilizing your secretary as a gatekeeper. Uh, th- this is something I did not learn until probably my second year as a principal. But it was a game changer once I knew. Once I knew, you know, and, and was able to build a system with her where, you know, if teachers wanted to see me and I'm going down the hallway, you know, we developed a quick system. Email Marilyn. She'll get you on the calendar. I'll come to you. You know, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. How how did that come about with you? And what's maybe one or two things just, you know, real quick that you share with, with leaders to get past the, well, but – I want to be in control of my calendar or I want to be in control of my email or whatever. Uh, so I didn't do it at first either. I, I've really, so I was an AP for four years in another building. This is my fifth year and my first year in this building. And again, part of that, part of that is my principal. He, he models us beautifully, but it was also just realizing over the last couple of years that I can't be in control of everything. If I want to be able to, there's just not enough time in the day. Right. And as I've grown, I've started to realize that there are things that only I can do as, as a certified administrator, Ashley, my secretary, she can't go observe teachers. She can't go evaluate teachers and work with them on things like that. Only I can do that, but she can talk to students about attendance she can communicate with parents about small, uh, about attendance things, about small discipline things like tardies and, you know, things like there are things that she can do and she is talented. She is, um, intelligent. She has a college degree. It's not like this is somebody who can't do anything else. She could do whatever else she wants to do. She chose to work in schools cause she wants to have an impact. And I feel like what we do too often is we don't allow our office staff to do meaningful work. We, we allow them to do things like answer the phone and send emails, and th- but we don't allow them to do things that they can actually do. So realizing that there were things that she could do that, that I could also do, but if I did those, it wouldn't allow me to do the thing that only I can do. Um, that was a huge step for me because I felt like I had to be the gatekeeper of all the things. And uh, my principal kind of shared that. He was like, look, she's awesome. My secretary is awesome. His secretary is awesome. Let them do things and take those things off your plate. So it was really sitting down and kind of identifying, okay, what are the things that our office staff can do that'll take as much off of our plates as possible so that we can go be instructional leaders? Because that, that was the biggest piece. So the first thing is in, in all of that, realize that they want meaningful work. 
they're not there just to sit at a desk all day. They want to do, they want to do important things. They want to be helpful. They want to feel like they're making an impact. So find meaningful work for them to do, not just answering the phone. Um, the second thing is you have to get comfortable asking them to do things. That was probably the hardest thing for me, right? Is like, I realized yeah. that she was, she was important and she could do meaningful work, but I still, it's just, when you're a teacher, you don't have somebody that you can ask to do things for you, right? You just get used to the grind and you get used to doing all the things by yourself. And now all of a sudden I have this person first four years being an AP, I didn't know how to, how to utilize them at all. Right. They were kind of telling me what they were doing because like they're, they're brilliant and they're incredible. And they were doing a lot of great things, but it was them. And, and I don't say this badly. They were, they were dictating to me, Hey, here are the things that we do in this role instead of us working together to come up with what's the best use of your time and what's the best use yep. of my time. And now that we've done that, then it was really me just getting comfortable going, okay, she can do this, right? Like I'm interviewing teachers right now, right? So I'm, I'm sifting through resumes and normally I would send out calendar invites to, to you know, to candidates and go, Hey, do you have time? Sometime? I don't need to do that. I, I just, right. here are the three people I want to interview next week. Hey, Ashley, can you email these people and set up times? You have my calendar, please do that. Cause that saves me a ton of time. There's no back and forth. She does it then I can go be in classroom. So I look through the interview or I look through the resumes, I send them to her, she sets it up. And we've got to find like that balance of who's doing work that allows us to be the most effective campus we can possibly be. That's really, really important. That is just huge right there. Um, you know, I love how, I love how you talk about ensuring that they can do meaningful work and to really give them mm -hmm. those opportunities. Um, you know, I, I know that was something I struggled with too. And uh, when I discovered, you know, in your case, it's Ashley, in my case, it was Marilyn, that the more we sat and talked and we, we put 10 minutes on, on the calendar every single day together, mm -hmm. you know, just so we could just touch base real fast, make sure, you know, we're clear on, on what I had to get done, what she was, what was focused on. Um, but it, it started to become almost a, hey, Darren, I can do that for you, or let yep. me do that for you. I've got this. Um, I mean, even to the point where, um, and I don't know if I've talked with you about this, but I, I know I've talked about it on the show, um, my balcony time, when it was like my time to, okay, I got to go check in on myself. You know, these things that I know are important. There were times she would just, she put it on the calendar. You know, hey, I, I put balcony time on your calendar today because nice. you need to go check in with yourself. You know, you're, you're getting lost in the weeds. I need you to be focused. And what you truly develop is really a partnership and, and kind mm -hmm. of this, you know, symbiotic relationship that you're both going to be more successful as a result of working together. It, it's funny. You were talking about, you know, how she could say, hey, Darren, I could do this for you. This is kind of what finally did it for me. Again, looking through my calendar and seeing these meetings that I had on there and knowing, all right, I got a 504 meeting. I need to get this student. After about the fourth or fifth time of me going into Ashley's office and going, hey, can you call this kid down? She's like, they're sitting right there. Like, I've already done it, right? It's like she was just showing <laughs> She was just me. ahead of you. Yeah. She's, she's staying on top of my calendar. She's like, I've already done it. They're, they're, or they're on their way. I've already sent the pass. And after about four or five times, then it became a joke of I'd walk and go like, hey, I know you've already done this. I just want to make sure because I'm anal. And, I want, and she's like, yeah, I've already done it. So, and then it, finally, I just quit. I finally just was like, all right, she's got it. I'm just going to trust it. And as long as she's in the office, life is good. Cause I know, I know those things are taken care of and it just takes a while because you're so self-reliant as a teacher, right? And you know, not taking anything away from working your team, but just on the day-to-day -day grind of your job, you find ways to get oh, yeah. things done and you rely on yourself and that's a shift, but you have to use that if you're going to have time to do your own meaningful work in this role. Otherwise it's just not going to happen. Well, it comes down to one word, and you said it right there in that piece, and that's trust. You know, when you develop that trust, man, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, so let's let's talk a little bit about aspiring administrators right now. So, mm -hmm. um, as we're recording this, probably not when it when it's out there live, but as we're recording this, you know, the the earlier part of March, uh, this is this is the season. Uh, you just talked about your interviewing oh, yeah. teachers. It's not just teachers. There's administrators who are being interviewed, you know, whether that's assistant principal all the way up through superintendents right now. Mm -hmm. People are, you know, doing that annual dance of either taking their first leap or taking the, the leap to the next role. So as you're working with um, the aspiring administrators, let's really focus on them right mm -hmm. now. The people wanting to leap out of the classroom and into an AP role. What are some things right now that you are are sharing with them or telling them or advising them around 
when it comes to looking for that job you want to jump forward to? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot, right. And, and it's very seasonal. You know, this is like you said, this is hiring season. And once you get into this season, here's what, here's what I see people doing, right. They, they see a job get posted and also they're like, Ooh, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to try to go get that AP job, but they haven't, they haven't put the work in up to that point. Right. So a lot of what we talk about is what we should, what we should be doing the other eight months of the year to get ready for hiring season. Right. Um, in this time, you know, a lot of the advice that, you know, we're giving right now is really centered around interview prep and, you know, who are you talking to and things like that to kind of position yourself for that opportunity. Um, but the rest of the year, it's really being tactical about what are the things that I can be doing over the summer? What can I be doing in the fall to set myself up for success when January, February, March rolls around? Um, so, it, you know, it really just depends on the season right now. Again, we're talking a lot about the coaching work that we're doing right now. It's it's really interview prep and, you know, getting people prepared because it's another one of those things. When you walk into the interview the first time for an assistant principal job, you have no idea what you're looking at. Um, unless you've gone through it or unless you've had somebody walk you through process of getting you ready. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's something too. I mean, let's, let's just add this one to it. We don't do it a lot. You just don't, you know, uh, I mean, I, I talk with, you know, leaders all the time who, uh, who are maybe, you know, in not necessarily the aspiring space, but in that, you know, taking the next, the next step. I, I'm a principal and I'm ready to, you know, look at a district level position, superintendent, AP, uh, assistant superintendent, whatever. Um, and almost always, Luke, this is what I hear him say, you know, Darren, I just, I haven't interviewed in five years. I haven't interviewed yep. in nine years or, or something like that. And it's, you know, you really do want to practice that process. Mm-hmm. And I know there are a lot of resources out there where you can get kind of some canned questions, but let's, let, let's do this. Let, let's talk about the person who is preparing to interview in their own space, whether it's their own building or their own district. So you have mm. insight, you know, how do you prepare um, if, you know, if you are getting ready to interview for another position in your district, how do you prepare differently in-house versus you're going to a different state? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think it it should be easier, right? Because you know the initiatives, you know the the work that your district is doing, you know the goals. So you need to be thinking about the questions are likely going to be the same for you as they are for Mr. Outside Hire or Mrs. Yes, Mrs. Outside Hire, right? So your advantage is you know the work your district is doing or the work your campus is doing. So when you're preparing, you need to be thinking about what are the types of questions I'm going to get. And then when I respond, I'm going to make sure that my answers tie in ways that I'm supporting those initiatives or those goals or that work or ways that I'm helping solve problems to make that work better. Um, because I think one of the things that, that I say to people a lot is everybody has the quote unquote right answer when they interview for, for an assistant principal job, because they've talked to people, they have an idea, they're at least in the ballpark. Right. Uh, right. I remember I sat down one day, uh, or one semester we were interviewing to add an assistant principal to our staff. We interviewed nine people for the job, all nine of them qualified, solid answers, but it's who can tell a story that shows that they actually have a depth of knowledge about what they're talking about and not just this high level view of quote unquote leadership. Right. And I give you a quick short story. I remember my first time of interviewing to try to get into one of the pools in a large district in this area. And I was in the second round of an interview and the guy, it was a panel of directors and executive directors and it was going really, really well. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's giving me, you know, some great nonverbal feedback and one of the questions I got was, what are you going to do to, you know, something along the lines of how are you going to support a struggling teacher? And I was giving them whatever. I'm, I'm a teacher coach at this point in my life. I've never helped a struggling teacher, right? But I'm giving yeah. them what I think I'm going to do, right? What I think that looks like. And at one point, right, one of the buzzwords was like leveraging resources. And I said, and I'm going to leverage resources, blah, 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 blah. And there was a guy who sat in the back. And I had walked into his trap because he knew yeah. that I didn't know what I was talking about. Right. So yeah. he sits up and he looks for, he leans forward. He's like, 
tell me exactly what resources you're going to leverage, Mr. Croy. And I was just like, oh, he got me. Right. So I got out of it. Right. And I said some things, but it was in that moment that I realized, oh, I need specifics because everybody's coming in here giving some because it is right. You do want to leverage resources, but can I be specific in how I'm going to do that? Right. So all of my answers and preparing for moving up in my own district need to be tied back to the work that I'm doing to the work that I'm doing that supports those initiatives and those goals and letting them understand that I really understand what the work should look like in this district versus maybe some other district. So that's perfect. I'm, I'm glad that you went there. Um, it, honestly, about 60% through your answer, I knew exactly where you were going to end up. And, and I'm, I'm just sitting over here kind of biting my lip not uh, not to interrupt and say oh yeah what leverage or what what resources are those you know yep. i mean but 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 i'm glad that you pointed that out and and here's why i hear this so frequently from people i mean even go back to to my own time in you know even back to being an assistant principal and you know like there were a couple of different times as an ap where we were hiring other aps and of course there were internal candidates and you know, often it was, you know, well, what have I done wrong? I've earned my, you know, my place here at the table or whatever the case may be. But what you just said is exactly what it is. So as the internal candidate, it may feel like, hey, I have an advantage. I know all these things that you just said. Well, you better damn well know them extremely well. That answer that you gave for the Mr. Outside or Mrs. Outside is probably acceptable for mm-hmm. you on the inside, you just fried your own bacon right there because you know what? If I'm going to say, oh, this is what I'm going to do, you damn well better know what it is, right? And I think you know, with that too, the other advantage that you have as the inside hire is you have a year or years to show them that you know your stuff, right? Like, Yes. There are so many people that jump into – an interview, it, I get people all the time. They come into my office and go, Hey, I want to be an assistant principal. And it's, it's February. I'm like, well, cool. Why didn't you tell me in August? Like, I, yeah, honestly, he just woke up to that today, huh? <laughs> I yeah. saw they posted this job. Do you think I'd be a good fit for it? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't seen you lead anything. So yeah. that to me, it's the interview is important. The interview is important. We, we created a course to help people prepare for the interview. I believe the interview is important. But especially for internal hires, you've got to be showing that you're ready to get into the work. When a job gets posted and you go in and talk to your assistant principal or to your principal and go, hey, I really think I'd be a good fit for this. You want them to go, yeah, you will. You absolutely need to apply for that job. But if you've not solved a problem on your campus, if you've not... Um, let them know in advance that this is something that you're interested in so that they could give you opportunities to lead. If you're not showing up in your, in your off time to help with things around the office so that you can get to know the work. Um, if you're not engaging in a community of other leaders that are trying to grow and network, you've wasted the opportunity. Now it's all on the interview. If you even get an interview, right? So don't waste that opportunity to show that you're ready for the job. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. We, uh, we as leaders are paying attention and I think sometimes people forget that, you know, they don't realize that, you know, the behaviors and actions that you are, that you are taking, um, that's, that's a big deal. And people are paying attention. We had, uh, I'll just tell you the story real quick. No follow-up question to it, but um, we had a, a person in the district where I was an AP and ultimately a principal who showed up to a professional development day and was making it very clear. He did not want to be engaged, like got his newspaper out and, you know, then he wouldn't get interview position or opportunities for assistant principal. And it's like, well, what did you expect? You know, as, as APs and principals, in, in that district, we were tasked with leading professional development. And if, if your behavior as a teacher is, oh, pff, th- I don't need to be a part of this, why would we put you on our leadership team? What part of that do you think is a good idea? I mean, it was funny and it was cute, mm-hmm. but as far as your future and for that individual, 
he had to go somewhere else to be an administrator because he had yep. absolutely ended any possibility mm -hmm. that anybody would put him on a leadership team with that type of behavior. So it, it is very important for, for people to be cognizant of that. So let, let's jump to this um, just really quick. Tell me about when you're in the prince or the assistant principal role. What's maybe something that you're sharing with with APs or that you're doing yourself if you're thinking, eventually I want to take that next step. Mm -hmm. I want to be a principal. I want to go to the district level. What what are some things you can do within your AP role, given the confines of your responsibilities that allow you to grow and prepare yourself for something else? Uh, so first thing is you need to have a conversation with your principal right, right up front and let them know that, hey grateful for this opportunity. I want to be a principal. So anything that you can give me, any opportunity you can give me, I want it. Right. Um, as your work, especially it's, it's hard your first year, right? Because everything's new and likely your first year, you're going to be consumed with discipline and attendance and, you know, those types of things that all first year APs have to learn how to do. But as you're going along, start looking at the work that the other APs on your staff are doing. Start looking at what other APs in your network are doing. And when you see something or you see a responsibility that one of them has that you're unfamiliar with, that's when you go to your principal and go, hey, next year, can I help with fill in the blank? What, whatever that is, right? Um, your first year, you're not going to get work with master schedule, likely. You're not going to get work with... Um, you know, being on the guiding leadership potentially you know, team potentially, right. right? Because you're, you're, you're just trying to figure out the day to day, but the more you grow and the more you ask for opportunities, if you're a good steward with the opportunities that you're given and you're asking for opportunities, they're going to come. Um, but if you, if you're looking past your current opportunities to try to just get more in the future, because those are the fun ones or those are the, the more meaningful quote unquote ones, um, they might not give you more because you're not being a good steward of what you have in front of you right now. I love that. Love that. Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, jump to the last question I ask everybody here on the podcast. So leaning into leadership, Luke, how are you leaning into leadership right now? Yeah. So there, there are a couple of things that I'm doing right now. Um, one is, is we're, we're growing the new school leader. We're, we're really trying to multiply our leadership and, and help aspiring administrators get in their first role and help new, new assistant principals be successful um, instead of spending that whole first year trying to figure out what they're doing. Um, so that, that's, that's been a huge part of my focus right now, kind of in my free time in my current role as, as an assistant principal, uh, I've been trying to like what we were just talking about. I've been trying to take on opportunities that I've never had before. Right. So my principal has given me the lead on a master schedule this year. He's given me the lead on, um, our goal of becoming a model PLC campus. He's given me, you know, a lot of those things, which have been fantastic. Uh, but the, the next thing that I'm doing, uh, right now in getting out of my comfort zone is you know, knowing that I want to move up, knowing that I want to be a principal and, and more someday, uh, I'm taking on summer school principal this year for the first time. So, uh, that'll be, uh, it sounds like the worst job in America, right? Because, uh, it's not that bad. That I loved off, it, but, but, uh, I think it's going to be great and it's going to give me an opportunity to, to hire staff. It's going to give me an opportunity to, to, to lead some people. So, uh, looking forward to that. We're, we're going to start doing that as soon as we get back from spring break, we start that work. So. It'll be good. Yeah, right on, man. So uh, just uh, just one final thing then. So anybody who is interested in uh, the new school leader, uh, connecting with you on social media, that type of stuff, what do they do to reach out and get connected with Dr. Luke Croy? Yeah, sure. So there's a few places you can find me. One, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Luke Croy, L-U-T-E-C-R-O-Y. That's, that's a great place to connect. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is becoming a place where more and more educators are, are starting to interact. It's where, you know, it's where you and I met. It's where I've, I've yeah. met a bunch of people that have been on your show. Um, that's, that's a great place for educators that I think is very underutilized. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find us at thenewschoolleader.com. It's, it's where we kind of post all of our, our content, all of those things are available there. And, um, you know, if, if you, if you're an email kind of person loot at the new school leader.com. And if, if you're an aspiring administrator and you're trying to get ready for interviews, we, we did put together the assistant principal interview bootcamp and that is live. If you go to courses dot the new school leader.com, you can find it there. And if you use the coupon awesome and get 10% off the course. So Sweet. Uh, we'll let you, we'll know that you came from road to awesome. Uh, there to you get go. there. Yeah. 
Right on. So I will link all of that stuff in the show notes. Sure. So folks, if you're driving right now and you're like, ah, where am I going to get that? Uh, it's in the show notes. We'll make sure yeah, you have absolutely. hyperlinks to get you to all that stuff. Get in there and check out all the really cool stuff in the new school leader. Dr. Luke Croy, thank you so much for being here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Yeah, thanks, Darren. I had a blast. Once again, thank you to Dr. Luke Croy for joining me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So many powerful things that he talked about there. I, I think one of the things that maybe is my favorite from that entire conversation is the two of us going back and forth about really empowering your secretary. Um, new, aspiring, rising leaders that's one of the most important things you can do. Really make sure that that secretary, administrative assistant, whatever the title might be, is really empowered to make a difference and that they know that they have your trust to go ahead and take care of some of those things for you. It's going to make you a much more efficient leader. And now it's time for a pep talk. Dr. Croy talked about, towards the end of his interview, the work that he does with New School Leader and how he's really passionate about coaching up those aspiring leaders to land those positions. Folks, everybody can benefit from a coach. And I, I really believe that all of us, all of us can benefit from having a coach. I have a coach. As a new entrepreneur, I have to have a coach. I need somebody who can help hold me accountable, somebody who can help guide me in the right direction. Having a coach doesn't mean you're failing. Having a coach means you're going to do everything you can to be the best that you can possibly be in your role. Coaching matters, folks. Those are my thoughts for this week on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a road to awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.